Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Have you ever went to an investment company? A lot of people especially got burned back in the 2008 debacle. And you put your trust in somebody to do something right with your savings or whatever. And then they send you in the mail a note at the end of the year telling you how much you now have. And where maybe you put $20,000 in or $10,000 or $500. They send you a note saying, we lost a third of your investment. Thank you very much. I can do that. I don't need an investment company to lose money for me. I can do that on my own. But imagine people putting their hope and faith and trust their life into something that they don't know where it's going to go. Only to find out at the end of their life, there's a note from God saying, you're bankrupt. That's pretty serious. See, God, what he wants to do in our life is so at the end of our life, we don't look over our shoulder in remorse and we say, I wish I had done this. I wish I would have done that. But we would say, okay, God, thank you that you did what you did in my life when you did it. That's what makes the difference. You know, you might ask the question today, where does my hope lie? Does it lie in the philosophies of the world? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, relativism that has now replaced truth. Jesus is speaking to his father in John 17. He said, thy word is truth. But truth has gone out of our society. Uh, Again, we don't know what truth is anymore. Uh, Truth is, if it's true, it's true to you. But it may not be true to me, so therefore it's questionable. And this was taught in the colleges in the 60s, which then became the school teachers in the 70s and 80s. And now it's part of the curriculum in our schools in America, relativism. Right isn't always right. Wrong isn't always wrong. It's how you look at it. What does the Bible say about that? In the last days, they'll say right is wrong and wrong is right. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I read that verse. How could anybody get this goofed up? We did. We don't even know the difference between boys and girls. The bathrooms go whatever you are. That's relativism. Relativism is that there is no absolutes. Well, friends, there are absolutes. And one of the greatest absolutes that relativism wants to deny is death. Death is going to come. comes to all of us. If the rapture doesn't come, we're all going to kick off one of these days. I think I shared this before, but interviewing for NCR down in Arcadia, California years ago. I was in the interview. They'd hired me, and I was sitting down at the table. And she says, in case of your demise... Uh, who do you want to have uh, uh, assimilate your uh, 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 check or whatever? And I said, what? And she looks at me very, very straightforward. And she goes, if you croak, who gets your coin? I go, thank you. And I listed my family. The point is, is that there is an absolute. And that's death. That is not debatable. 
Now, somebody say, well, I don't believe that after you die, there's anything. When you're dead, you're dead. Strawberry fields forever. What is that? Well, let me just ask this question. Okay, let's just say there's a chance one in a hundred billion. You're right. Let's say when you're dead, you're dead. You close your eyes the last time, you turn back to dust, and you're gone. Little tombstone saying, here lies such and such, and in probably a couple, three, four hundred years, even that tombstone will be gone, and it's like you never existed. But let's say in that one in a hundred billion, that what God says about eternity is true. Are you willing to gamble on all of eternity for what you think or what someone's told you? Well, you got to ask yourself, do you feel lucky? Because that's the problem. If you're wrong, eternal punishment. So what do we know then? Do I just have to take a, a book's opinion of, of, of eternity? I mean, what's the evidence for any of this being true? How, how do we know a bunch of really clever guys didn't get in a back room someplace and write this book and, and, and uh, this, is how, this is how the culture started. I mean, how do we know this about the Bible? What evidence do we have that the Word of God is true? Well, there's a lot of things. Historically, you can, you can find all the places the Bible talks about. But there's something else the Bible has in it that no other religious book in the world or any other place has. And that is exact prophecy. God knows the future. God knows the past. God tells us what's going to happen in the future. That's why the Bible says, I've given you this word of prophecy so you know these are true. <clears throat> You'll find years ago there were these different predictions. You know, you have the, the Gene Dixons that were popular in the 60s and, and crossing over with some of these TV uh, things that you'll see. But it's vague. Have you ever noticed how vague it is? I love it when they, they talk and they interview somebody. They'll say, no. And they always make it, you know, really super spiritual. And they'll, you know, get their face in a weird position and touch their forehead. Uh, you know uh, somebody named uh, uh, John. And they're doing this, looking to see. And I love it when they go, nope. Oh, well, then you probably knew somebody named John. I mean, they just go around doing that. Now, this, unfortunately, friends, has transpired even into the church. And you see the shows on TV, and you see the different, the world that makes fun of, a lot of times, a lot of the Christian stuff that goes on. Years ago, um, Steve Martin did a, a, a movie called Leap of Faith. And what he did is he did a spinoff of a guy named Peter Popoff that used to wear an earpiece and go in and interview people in the crowd. And then that person would then relay the message to, and then they would speak into Popoff's ear who had a, a microphone, uh, uh, earphone in his, in his thing. And said, somebody's revealed to me they're here from Kansas City. And uh, it's me, it's me, you know. And whoa, that's a word of God. Or they'll just use common logic. God has shown me. There's a doubter here. And they're in the back row. Usually that's where doubters are. They'll look out across an audience and they'll see a bunch of gray-haired people. God has shown me 
Somebody here has arthritis. Pretty good odds, don't you think? So you see, God doesn't need tricks to show that his word is true. God doesn't need that to prove that we have an existence here on this earth, this life, and then as the book of Hebrews says, first this life, then the judgment. There's no reincarnated episode. We don't come back as a lotus or a frog or any other thing. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, after that, the judgment. And so when, we, when we're found in Christ, we're about daddy's business. And that's what we're talking about. Peter was denying Jesus with no pressure upon him. Nobody was holding Peter at the end of his spear saying, are you one of his disciples? When John, his his fellow disciple, was in the courtyard already. There was no reason to do that. You know, I believe, friends, sometimes trials happen to us to show us where we're at. You know, I don't like trials any better than any of you do. And I've gone through plenty in my life. You know, you look real close sometimes, you'll see the wrinkles in my eyes. And a lot of times you get those, a lot of parents don't have those, a lot of people don't have those till they have kids. Then they start getting those in their eyes. You know what those are from? When you look at your kid and you go, you did what? And you see little squinty lines and you go, huh? Well, that's the way it happens. You realize that life cuts lines into your face. But the thing is, when we look at life, are you looking at it from God's perspective or our perspective? Peter was denying the Lord without any pressure of death. And when John was already inside the court. This to me is very unusual because Peter was very concerned what others thought of him. Now, this was a flaw in Peter's personality. We find it even after he's spirit-filled in Acts chapter 2. And at times, Peter showed extreme boldness. But Paul tells us that he rebuked Peter to his face later on in his ministry when he wouldn't eat dinner with the Gentiles because it was such a prejudice against Gentiles. And I want to share this with you. Really important. To be used by God in a great way, you have to not care what other people think about you. You just have to do what God tells you to do. And a lot of times, it will not be the popular thing to do. In fact, you'll be the thorn in the finger. You'll you'll be be that part that says, no, this is not right. Well, why don't you just shut up and just go along with everybody else? You have to get to the point in your life where you don't care. Now, I think that's weird because a lot of times, well, now as Christians, you nearly need to care. Well, yeah, we need to care about the right things, but we need not to care about what people think of us because I don't really believe true ministry happens until we're at the point where we say, Whatever it is, I don't care. I'm going to do what i got to do for God. Now, you'll find this in your life sometimes, and it will be a challenge. Peter, under no spear point, no hangman's noose, not a bunch of people ready to nail him to a cross, just denies the Lord because people ask him about the Lord. And again, remember, it may very well be John the Apostle was across the room makes really, really difficult to understand how we can think we're so strong as we go back again to John 13, 38. Peter says, I'm willing to go die with you, Jesus. 
And Jesus looks at him and said, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. Have you ever found yourself thinking you were strong and then finding yourself weak? I think we all have. I think we all have related with that in some way where we, we think that that would never be a temptation to me. And then we find ourselves doing that. You see, God has a way of revealing to us. Now listen, if you're going through a trial right now, I, I just want to share this with you. It isn't that God hates you. This was a trial for Peter. But the trial for Peter was not to punish Peter. It was a point that Jesus, to reveal to Peter who he was. If it wasn't for trials and shortcomings in our life, we wouldn't know what we were. And we wouldn't know who the people around us are. You know, the Bible says in, in uh, Proverbs, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Isn't that neat to know? Have you ever had fair weather friends? I think we all have. High school, you got the car, you got the gas, you're everybody's buddy. But daddy takes the T-bird away. You did something wrong, can't pay your car insurance, they confiscate the keys, you're walking again, the phone doesn't ring anymore because you're not everybody's joyride, you're not everybody's transportation. You may never know who your real friends really are until you have problems in your life. Now, friends, I've been through this. It hurts. It's brutal. But I'll tell you something. You'll be amazed who your friends are and who was using you. It's amazing. And a lot of times, it's the least likely people that you thought were maybe somebody on the side turns out to be those that are your best friends because a friend loves at all times. You see, that's what a trial does. A trial not only reveals to you who you are, it reveals who people around you are. A lot of times we take trials much, much too personally. The trial sometimes that God allows us to go through is to reveal around us what's going on. I've said this before. If only through trials do I find out who my friends are, let the trials come. Because you see, without trials, we can have a false image of ourselves. We can have a perspective of ourselves that is not God's perspective. And the trials reveal to us who we are, who God is, and God's great hand to fix things. I like that. Why would you need a miracle in your life if you didn't go through a trial? Do you think the people in the Old Testament, as an example, didn't go through trials? Moses tells everybody, follow me, and he leads them all out of Egypt. And as they're coming out of Egypt, they come up to the Red Sea, mountains on both sides, Red Sea in front, no way out. I can just see Moses going, oh, this is a bad trial. (laughs) Not good, because if the Egyptians who are behind you coming to get you. They just realized they lost all their slaves. They're coming to get you. Mountains on both sides, Red Sea in front. If the Egyptians don't kill us, these people will kill me. And God spoke to Moses what to do. Touch the water with your staff. The water parts. They walk through on dry ground. 
And by the way, we have a great video on that. It's, it's available when we get the bookstore back up and going. It's like a library. You just go in there. Uh, but it, it, it's uh, Exodus Revealed. And there's all these four-spoke chariot wheels unique to the dynasty in which Moses was in Egypt in the bottom of the Red Sea. Strange. How'd they get there? Nobody has an answer. Well, we do. We got one in the Bible. But it actually shows footage of actually skin divers taking pictures of all these four-wheeled chariots that are in the bottom of the Red Sea, out way out in the middle. That's God. The way God is. Like I say, you don't have to kick your brain into neutral when you come into church. There's evidence for your faith. There's evidence that God will restore, rebuild, and heal you. That's what God does. And so as we finish this, then Peter denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. The Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. He realized what he'd done. You know, it's funny. Judas Iscariot also was in remorse. He went, went back to the Sanhedrin, said, I denied innocent blood. They said, what's that to us? Threw the pieces of silver down. The Bible says he went out and hung himself and his bowels gushed out. So evidently hung himself on a tree branch. The tree branch broke. Rocks are everywhere in Israel. That's more common than anything else. And Probably has hung himself. He went down and crashed on a rock and out, out he gushed. Two different people, both denying the Lord. One understood his forgiveness, one didn't. This morning, if you've been distant from God, you realize that you cannot mix what you believe or what you are with the principles of God. Simple one word, repent. Because God wants to give you a whole new set of marching plans. That's the way God works. Guaranteed, it's going to be better than anything you would follow yourself. Don't fall for a false gospel that says, well, no, just accept Jesus and then all your plans will come true. That's not the gospel. That's the anti-gospel. The true gospel is we abandon who we are. We come to Christ and say, okay, God, you make me now what you want me to be. That's good. That's good. Because God's got a better plan. And then what God begins to do is let us see who we are through his eyes. And sometimes that's revealed, friends, I hate to say this, through trials. I don't like trials any more than anybody else does. But you know what I call it? Faith-growing exercises. You know, they show all these people that go down to the gyms all the time and they're lifting their weights and they're getting massive bulkitude all over their arms. And a lot of them never use that strength for anything other than to wiggle and it looks like mice crawling up and down underneath their skin. You've got to use your imagination here. But God's got a better purpose. He wants to build us up. He wants to enforce us. If you're going through something you don't understand, Rest in him. You see, that's where faith comes in. You say, but Mike, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith. Well, the Bible tells us what to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in other words, as I've seen how God was faithful to Moses in his trials, and he had many, as I see how God was faithful to Elijah in his trials, and he had many, 
And I see how God was faithful in Peter's trials, and he had many in the New Testament. I know he'll be faithful to us. Faith is that which exercises and puts feet to God's work in our life. You let him do that. It's a great thing. God has a better plan for you than you do. He said, but you don't understand, I really messed up. God is the expert of fixing things that are messed up. Again, the other religions of the world will tell you how to get right with God, how to get your, your a transgress, but they never offer God's repair in our life. The Bible is full of him being our heavenly father. Daddy can fix it. And if you don't remember anything else out of today, just remember this. As a Christian, God is your heavenly father. Daddy can fix it. Now, he may not fix it the way you think it should be fixed, but I guarantee he'll fix it for his best and your best in eternity. That's the way God works. You know, we have communion this morning. And if... uh, you'd like to pray and ask Christ in your life, I'd like to invite you to have communion here today because it's a meaningless thing unless you're born again. It's the only physical thing that God gave us to remember him by. No, no, uh, no crosses in the park, no, no eight by 10 glossies. This was what Jesus said, often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so this is where the Bible says we can be healed. Now, we have a lot of, as Christians, and God knew this. Jesus knew this. There's a lot of things that people have done to us and we've done to others that need to be healed. Man, we got a lot of memories and and a lot of hurt feelings and lots of abilities to love and be loved and all those things. The Bible says, Jesus said, he's held up the bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Peter tells us more about this. Peter, of all the people that knew, as we just read, Peter said, by his stripes we're healed. People understand the cup, the blood, that Jesus shed his blood. But I've talked to so many Christians over my life that did not really understand what the bread was for. Oh, that we can be healed. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't have a cold today. I'm fine. It's not talking about that as much as it's talking about our abilities inside. Because what happens is, when we're damaged because of somebody's mean remarks, you share your faith, I don't want to hear that stuff. It really hurts when it's your mom or your dad. We go, I'm never going to say anything about God ever again. The bread's for you today. Say, well, I've tried to love. I got burned, went through a divorce. I'm never going to try to love ever again. This bread's for you today. You might say, I have a diagnosis of cancer. This bread is for you today. That's what it's for. In fact, Paul says when they would have communion in the Corinthian church, they did it with such disrespect. They just thought it was bread bread and, and, and juice. He said, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you because they partook of communion in an unworthy fashion. Not that they were worthy, but that they didn't understand the purpose of communion. Let God heal you today. If you're not a Christian, we're going to pray right now. You can ask Christ in your life, and then we'll have communion, okay? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. You just pray this if you want to get right with God. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name.
I invite you into my life today. I've lived it, and I've lived it wrong. So forgive me. From now on, I want my life to be about your business. And so help me do a good job for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life so I can spend eternity with you. So, Father, I commit my life into your hands. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, and I accept what he did. Amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.